Welcome to Holistic History, The Quest for King Arthur. My name is Jim Frost, and this is episode three. In this episode, I'm going to introduce Arthur's military career, and I'm going to put it into a wider political and military context. We will start with the overall strategic situation. As I said in episode one, the Irish had invaded back in the days when Britain was still in the Roman Empire, so the Britons were fighting the Irish in the west. The Picts were raiding them out of the highlands in the north, and the Anglo-Saxons had invaded from the east. Yet Gildas said they had a period of peace following the Battle of Baden Hill. All anyone else says is that Baden defeated the Anglo-Saxons, which it did, but it did not defeat either the Irish or the Picts, both of whom would have to have been defeated in order for the Britons to have had this period of peace. Gildas mentioned the Irish and the Picts once, then dismissed them in one brief passage, so everyone else says that means those two fronts were not important. I almost busted a blood vessel the first time I read that. There is never any such thing as an unimportant front. That is not some pet theory of mine, that is strategy 101. There are three reasons for this. The first is the humanitarian reason. People were being killed, people were being maimed, people were being dragged off into slavery. That matters. Second would be the standpoint of the attackers. Armies do not wander around aimlessly until they happen to bump into things. They attack specific targets for specific reasons. Those reasons make those targets important. If there was nothing important in the region, the front simply would not exist. Third would be the standpoint of the defenders, and was first described by General Karl von Clausewitz in his book On War, which was published in 1832. To paraphrase Clausewitz, armed forces have limited resources. The more enemies they try and fight at the same time, the more thinly spread those resources become, the more difficult it is to fight each enemy. More than one historian has pointed out that it is ironic that Clausewitz was German, considering this is the main reason why the Germans lost both the First and the Second World Wars. Everyone else studying Britain in the 5th and 6th centuries is implying that Clausewitz was wrong. No, Clausewitz was right. They are following Gildas for no other reason than that he was contemporary. But he was also a monk, not a general. There's no reason to believe he knew anything about warfare. If we accept the argument that I made over the course of the last two episodes that he was also a propagandist, it is possible that his treatment of these fronts was politically motivated. This episode will deal with the Irish. They established three colonies. Gwynedd in northern Wales, Diffid in southwestern Wales, and Dumnonia, which is modern Somerset, Dorset, Devon, and Cornwall. All of Dumnonia, and most of Gwynedd except for the Isle of Mona, which is now Anglesey, were liberated in Vortigern's time period. Anglesey and Diffid were both liberated sometime around the year 490. This was either late in the reign of Ambrosius Aurelianus, or early in Arthur's reign. I'm betting it was Arthur. Anglesey was taken by the King of Gwynedd. It's Diffid that I want to concentrate on. According to standard operating procedure, the people who liberated a territory got to rule it. According to the information we have, the last Irish king of Diffid was a man named Aid. He was succeeded by a Romano-Briton named Tryphon. The problem is, Tryphon is not a name. It is the Brythonic pronunciation of Tribune. He was succeeded by a man named Ercol, that is, Agricola. This is generally accepted to be read the Tribune Agricola. So Agricola was said to have been descended from Magnus Maximus. This is significant. From 383 to 388, there was a civil war in the Roman Empire. The Emperor Gratian had started off well, but power corrupts, and his government had become extremely corrupt. Magnus Maximus was a Roman officer in Britain who raised a rebellion. He established his own empire, Britain, Gaul, and Spain, which he reigned over for five years until being defeated and killed. The Bardic material depicted Maximus as a popular and respected leader, but Gildas attacked him and called him evil. He also called Gratian holy. Gildas accused Maximus of stripping Britain of its defenders, oblivious to the fact that he contradicted himself because he said there were no Roman soldiers in Britain. He then complained that the Irish and the Picts took advantage of this situation to attack. 
Many people believe that this is the reason that Gildas did not like Maximus, despite the fact that it is clearly not true. The Irish invaded before Maximus even arrived in Britain, not after he rebelled. I believe Gildas's criticism of Maximus was politically motivated. According to a 9th century stone inscription called the Pillar of Elisig, Vortigern married Severa, daughter of Magnus Maximus. Given the timing, she was probably Maximus's granddaughter, but like all Celtic peoples, the Britons often use son of or daughter of to mean descendant of, so I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is that this information is treated as trivia. Vortigern's descendants kept the memory of this marriage alive for 400 years and carved it into stone because it was a piece of trivia? I don't think so. I believe it was actually an important dynastic marriage. This would draw a direct connection between Vortigern, the supposed tyrant who was killed by Gildas's hero Ambrosius Aurelianus, and Magnus Maximus, the popular figure in the Bardic material, whom Gildas called evil. Furthermore, the Britons were tribal. It is common among tribal peoples that different branches of the same tribe are usually allies. Not always they will fight each other, however they are more likely to have been allies than enemies. Vortigern ruled Paris, which means he was a member of the Cornoi tribe. He sent a man named Kynan to liberate Damnonia from the Irish. Kynan was also a Cornoi, and the royal house of Damnonia was descended from him. Damnonia consisted of Somerset, Dorset, Devon, and Cornwall, and according to tradition, Arthur was born in Cornwall. Arthur would have been descended from Kynan and would also have been a Cornoi. Let's put all of this information together. Arthur would have been of the same tribe as Vortigern. Gildas ignored Agricola's military accomplishment. He attacked Agricola's illustrious ancestor, and another member of Agri Agricola's family married Vortigern. The evidence is certainly not conclusive, but it does point in the direction that Arthur was in the same faction as Vortigern, the once and future king and the proud tyrant. But it was Gildas who called Vortigern the proud tyrant in the first place. This would also explain why Gildas skipped over the wars against the Irish, and Brocius did not do anything against the Irish. The interesting thing about this reconstruction is that Arthur himself would not have been in directly involved in the wars against the Irish either. It was his faction, but not him. Since this episode is dense in names and information, I'm going to cut it short rather than try and introduce a new topic. Please join me for episode four when I shall take a closer look at the specific battles Arthur is said to have fought. This is Jim Frost for Holistic History, The Quest for King Arthur. Until next time, I hope you have a great day.